everyone. Welcome to another edition of the My Nights Are Booked podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Beth Pollock, and today we're going to be talking about passion flicks and why passion flicks is the gold standard when it comes to adapting romance novels. You know, it's it's one of those things when you understand how books are adapted and how movies are made and how the entertainment industry works, you start to realize that there's so much that has to happen behind the scenes for anything to happen in Hollywood. It's not just, you know, you you buy a book, you option a book, and you make it into a movie. There's so much that goes into it. And so much of the decision of where you want your book to end up really depends on how you want your, your book to be adapted into a movie. And, you know, when you look at the options, there's lots of options out there. I mean, nowadays, especially what we're seeing right now in terms of, you know, what's going on in Hollywood is that there's this this war, basically, that's being fought over content and intellectual property. There's so many places that offer content. And by content, I mean, movies, series, anything, really because of streaming services and their need to have new material. Now, going back, you know, we'll we'll do a quick little basic history, but like going back to Netflix, the early days of Netflix, if you think about Netflix, Netflix used to have a little bit of everything and that's what made it so alluring. That's why people wanted, I mean, everybody was talking about Netflix. I mean, you know, we were, oh, you know, what's on your Netflix list? What, you know, what that going back to when they used to send you DVDs of things. Now, you know, as a streaming service, you know, they, they, you don't have to worry about the DVDs. You can just go in and watch whatever you want, but the options for what you can watch have been limited because now everybody has a streaming service. The NBC people and Peacock, they don't want their stuff on Netflix because they have their own streaming service. HBO Max doesn't need to rely on releasing movies through Netflix and having them available in the Netflix library because they have HBO Max now. You don't have as many options. And so what's happening is that you have all of these powerhouse streamers. You have Netflix, Hulu, um, Apple TV+, Plus. you have um, Disney+, Plus. you have Peacock, you have Paramount, you have all of these different places. They're all trying to, to create content that will belong to them ultimately. And that's, that's the key. That's what you have to remember that in, in, as the foundation for all of this. When they create content under their originals label, it belongs to them. That means you're not going to see um, Stranger Things on HBO Max. It just won't happen because Stranger Things belongs to Netflix. It could appear on television, they could, they could create a licensing deal with a, a network for it to appear on television. Um, you know, similar to what's happening, a good example of that is, is DC's Titans, uh, which is an HBO Max series. It, it originated on DC Universe, which then became part of, of HBO Max. And now you can watch that on TNT, and I think TBS. But, but part of the reason that's all possible is because it's all owned by the same company. And so Warner Media can play that 
on network television. So if you don't have HBO Max, you just have to wait a little while and then it'll come out on network television. The point here, though, is that these companies are, they actually have people. Disney just, I remember about a year ago, Disney hired two people whose whole jobs are to go out and find intellectual property that they can bring on and assign it to one of their channels. So whether it's uh, a part of Disney or uh, Buena Vista Pictures or uh, Fox or Hulu or any of you know, National Geographic, any of the properties that fall under the Disney Plus brand, they go out and they look for things that they can make. They can make literally like what can we what can we buy that we can make into content because everybody needs more and more content. Because let's face it, as soon as a new series comes out, especially if it's a series that's released uh, all at once, but even if it's released weekly, I mean, look at Loki or Hawkeye or any of these the series on uh, The Mandalorian on Disney+, Plus. even if they come out weekly, as soon as you're done, it becomes a question of what are you watching next? How do we keep your eyeballs locked to our streaming service so that you don't just uh, jump ship and go over to a different streaming service? Because I, I personally know a lot of people who will subscribe to services for the period of time that it takes them to get through a series, and then they stop and they come back when the series returns. That's commonplace. That's something that's happening more often than not. So what you really see is you see people competing to, uh, to create content so that people never leave. This is what brings me to, um, you know, to why I'm talking about passion flicks and why passion flicks is the gold standard when it comes to creating romance novel movies uh, and adaptations of these novels. Um, what you what you're starting to see now is, you know, in in romance has always been at the forefront, especially in the publishing world. Um, you're starting to see more and more studios taking notice. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you think back 20 or 30 years ago, uh, you know, romantic comedies were a thing in theaters. You would go to see, you know, the latest Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks movie, you know, Sleepless in Seattle. Uh, You've Got Mail, my personal favorite. People would go and flock to theaters to see these movies. You don't see that as much anymore. You don't see those movies being made for, for, you know, for mass consumption in theaters the way that you did once upon a time. Now, those movies are kind of being relegated to streaming services. So you have, um, you know, you have Netflix coming out with, you know, with these, these romantic comedies or, um, you know, certainly what, what the folks are doing over at Hallmark with their Christmas movies. And then they have these romance movies, uh, you know, feel good romance movies with happy endings throughout the year. They have new ones almost every weekend, really. And people laugh, but then you look at the ratings and you realize, you know, this is actually a thing. There's a reason that these networks, you know, now you have, you know, especially when it comes to Christmas movies, you have Hallmark, you have Lifetime, you have Netflix, you have BET, you have VH1, you have uh, Great American uh, Great American Family. Uh, you have all of these these companies and studios producing movies because there's a demand for it. So, you know, the last podcast that I did, if you look at the last episode, I was talking about the movie The Hating Game, which is an adaptation of, of Sally Thorne's 2016 novel. And it's a fantastic movie. It just came out last week and uh, or two weeks ago, December 10th. And uh, or, yeah, last week. I don't even know what day it is anymore. But it's it's such a great movie. 
one of the downsides of the movie, and this is not a critique, this is just reality. The reality is it is damn near impossible to adapt a 350 plus page book into a 90 minute movie. You will lose so much content from that book. You can still make a good movie, mind you. It's still very possible because this is what Hollywood's been doing for years and years and years. The problem is, is that you don't get the quality of the experience if you were the person who fell in love with the book before you fell in love with the movie. This is where Passion Flicks comes in. Now, I'm thinking specifically of, of what Passion Flicks and Tosca Musk have done with things like the Driven series, with the Gabriel series, uh, you know, what they're going to be doing with this man, with these properties where it would be, you would be hard pressed to make any of those, any of those books into a 90 minute movie and call it a day. If you don't believe me, we can look, uh, you know, let's, let's kind of break these things down. Let's look at Driven. Driven is, it's episodic. So it's, it's, uh, see the first season was six episodes. The second season was four episodes. And each of these episodes, you can go page by page and follow the action on screen. And the amount of, of, of content that had to be cut is minimal. The dialogue is the same. The story fits. You understand why things happen the way they do. And that's the same thing that happened with the Gabriel series. When you look at Gabriel's Inferno, parts one, two, and three, you start to understand that there would be no way to adapt. I mean, that book, SR's book is 500 plus pages. There is no way that you could make that book into a movie for anything less than I, I don't even know that you could do it with two and a half hours, but the fact is you wouldn't get anyone outside of passion flicks to make a two and a half hour romance movie because think about it. Gabriel's Inferno is not a romantic comedy, so it doesn't fit the mold of, of all of the, the books that are being adapted. They want, you know, studios want these, these clever, witty, feel good stories and they don't want the complexities that come with SR's writing and the the depth and the the stories that are being told. Same thing with Driven. There's so many complicated themes that are being explored in that story between Riley and Colton and, and you couldn't you couldn't do the stories justice. Julia and Gabriel and Colton and Riley, those stories had to be told in a, in a medium that would give them the ability to be explored fully. And that's where Passion Flicks really did them a huge, huge service by giving them the space to operate in a way that made sense for those stories. And I'm thinking back to, you know, other adaptations that I've, I've seen over the years, you know, one, an early one, and, and this is one where I saw the movie before I read the book would be, Anne Rice's interview with a vampire. Now the book came out in the 1970s and the movie came out in 1994. I was 14 at the time and went to see the movie and really liked it. And then came across a paperback copy of the book when I was uh, on vacation with my family. And, and I thought, I, you know, I really want to read the book. And I was blown away at how different the book and the movie were. And the funny thing about it is that Anne Rice wrote the screenplay for the movie. So she, the author herself, had to figure out how do you pare down all of this 
this story and the richness of her story to fit into a movie. And in, that movie is about two hours long. How do you do it? And it's not an easy task, you know, to ask anyone who's ever written any kind of script. It's not, it's not an easy thing to do unless you're writing it, you know, as a script and not, you know, adapting a book. Adapting a book is, is a very, very complicated thing to do. But when you know that you have enough time to be able to explore things fully, it becomes a more richer, a, a more, it's a richer experience, but it, it's just, it's a, it's a more nuanced experience. I mean, it's, it's, you just, there's no denying that if you can have three feature length films to tell the story of one book and, you know, the 500 so pages of a book, it's absolutely going to be a better experience for the viewer, especially if the viewer is someone who read the books first. That's just, that's just the way it is. And passion flicks, you know, and, and what Tosca Musk is doing with, with passion flicks is so important because you don't have to sacrifice the story to fit into kind of the Hollywood mold of a 90 minute romantic comedy or, uh, you know, made for TV movie. You don't have to worry about any of those things. If you want to have five movies, then you have five movies. If you want to have um, an episodic version of a, of a book, then you can do that and you can explore everything and you can be very mindful of what has to be cut in order to fit into that story. And so it really, I mean, it, it truly, truly is. When I say it's the gold standard, that's what it, I, I truly mean that because it's not something that you see everywhere else. And, you know, you don't have to, you know, what, what they're also saying, what Passion Flix is saying is that these stories are okay in and of themselves. They don't need to be embellished. You don't need to add to them to make them better stories for film or for, you know, for the, for the screen. You can just make the story and that's good enough. That's, that's all you need to do. Think about what HBO did with Game of Thrones. Um, you know, certainly George R. R. Martin is a huge, huge, uh, proponent of, of storytelling. I mean, there, there's a reason that the Lord of the Rings trilogy is so massive and that, that Peter Jackson had to do so much to capture the lushness of Tolkien's work because it was just, it was so massive. Game of Thrones, same thing. I mean, the world building that's done in those books is, is phenomenal, but HBO in developing a series decided, you know, that they wanted to create more. And, you know, and this is something that's done. I mean, this is done with The Walking Dead. It's done with Harry Potter. It's done with all of the, the major franchises. When you start developing things, you start trying to figure out how do you insert your own intellectual property into it so you can come back and visit it later and you can do it outside of the the scope of, of, you know, the original franchise. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of reasons for that. Um, you know, take, for example, um, you know, The Walking Dead is a great example because they're using the source material that was written by Robert Kirkman. And, uh, you know, they have this, they have a series and then they created a spinoff that's outside of, it's, it's in the same universe, but it's outside of the comic book canon. So that means they can do whatever they want. AMC can take that content and run with it. They had another spinoff, um, the first one was Fear the Walking Dead. The second one was The Walking Dead World Beyond. There are plans for more spinoffs. All of these spinoffs 
are rooted in the, the original universe, but they become AMC's property. And, and remember, AMC has a streaming service, AMC Plus, so they can do what they want with this property. Incidentally, they, uh, they also own the rights, the film rights, to Anne Rice's work. And so they're going to be adapting Interview with a Vampire and all the Vampire Chronicles and the, the Lives of the Mayfair Witches into series. And they are certainly going to be changing the way that those series work and what the, you know, how the stories are told. But, you know, what you really start to see is that the purity of the story is captured when it's in the hands of Tosca Musk and her team who believe in, 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 in preserving the story that was created in the original book. And that's what's so important. And that's what I really have a lot of respect for. The more that I see things being adapted, it makes you start to think about how those things could play out if they were being done faithfully to the original source material. And that's that's why after talking about the hating game, I had to kind of think about, you know, it, it was kind of an asterisk on that conversation that I had in the last podcast, because I had, I had mentioned, you know, that the, the hating game is, is roughly 350 pages or whatever. Adapting that into a 90 minute story is, is no easy feat. They did it. And it, it's a wonderful story. I love the movie. Don't get me wrong, but I could see the movie playing out in three installments or as a series, it would have made a lovely series. Six episodes would have been so fantastic for that book so that you could capture every single moment and you could understand the nuance between the characters and why Lucy and Joshua are at each other's throats, but they actually love each other, but they just don't know it. He knows it, but she doesn't, you know, it, it really changes things. And so in a way, Passion Flicks has now spoiled me for every type of book adaptation there is, because all I want is to see books made into faithful adaptations, even if that means three movies to capture one book or a series to capture a series of, of, of books. I mean, it, like with Driven. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. And as we see more of these, you know, streaming services trying to capture more content, I hope that there's a shift because obviously there's, you know, there is a demand um, for this material. And so when there's a demand for something, it means that, you know, some authors are going to say, well, I don't really want to get, you know, I don't want to really get drawn into any kind of contract, you know, until I can figure out what the best one is. And, you know, Netflix, you know, has the name, it has the, the recognition. And so, you know, I'm going to hold out for Netflix or I'm going to hold out for Amazon prime. or I'm going to hold out for this. And that's totally understandable, totally fair. The problem, though, is that when you do that and if you give up your rights to a book and it's not made the way that you want it to be made or it's not giving the fans what the fans want to see, which is a fine line. I'm not a huge fan of fan service for the sake of fan service. I'm not saying you have to stay adapt. You don't have to stay faithful in your adaptation of a, of a book or a movie just to make fans happy. But if you want to do the book justice... That's how you tell the story. You don't try to cram it into something where it doesn't fit. That doesn't make any sense. There's a, there's a happy medium. There's a, there's a sweet spot there. If you can tell a story 
adapt a book, tell the story, and make everybody happy. That's what you should aim for. So if that means it's a two-part mini-series or a three, a set of three movies or a series, you know, with with six episodes or whatever, you know, what have you, a limited series, you do what's best for the material. And that's how you, that should be your guiding principle. And that's why I have so much respect for Tosca and for her team, because they look at what's best for the source material and for the book and they do right by the book and they do right by the authors. And that's what makes it so amazing. So when I say that passion flicks is the gold standard, that's what I mean. And that's why it, it really, I mean, it really has ruined me for so many adaptations now because I'm looking at things going, I could see how this would be made, but it would have to be made by passion flicks so that it can have the time to really explore all of these stories. And Oh yeah, I just I I can't say enough, and and it really I mean the more the more you look at, at Hollywood and you look at the at the the climate of Hollywood right now, the more you start to see that this is this is how things should be done, not you know trying to mass produce things and and grab IP just for the sake of grabbing it and making it and giving people something to watch that they forget about as soon as they watch it. No, I'm I'm. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've watched Driven or I've watched Gabriel's Inferno or, um, you know, and even now I'm watching The Hating Game several times because I really do enjoy it. You should do that. That should be your goal for every movie is that you should make something that everybody wants to watch over and over and over again. And if you can make it in a way that tells the story faithfully, even better. And that's, that is just, I just absolutely have so much respect for passion flicks for making that happen because it is it's it's really they're a unicorn in a world where unicorns don't really exist they're guided by you know, studios are got, guided by bottom lines and metrics and you know they they see something and they run with it and it doesn't always have a happy ending unfortunately and and with passion flicks you're always guaranteed a happy ending so um, so thank you to Tosca and to, to the team for, for giving us those happy endings. And uh, just a quick note, because I, I feel like I have to say this, I, I say it all the time because uh, it comes up periodically, but I don't get paid to say things about anybody, honestly. Um, certainly not now. This is my podcast, so I can, I can do and say as I please, but I say it because I mean it. I, I don't say things that I don't mean. And I have no reason to lie about anything. And, and I'm certainly not being paid to, to hype passion flicks. I believe in what they're doing. I believe in their mission. And I believe in what they've done and what they are doing and what they will continue to do. And that's why I feel it's really important to keep talking about that and really to, to celebrate what they're doing because it's something very special. And it's not something that's very common in Hollywood, unfortunately, but it should be. So. Again, I that is my honest opinion, and I will always give you my honest opinion. So, you know, thanks thanks again to to Passion Flicks for all that they're doing, and I would love to know what you think, it, it, the listeners uh, of the podcast. I would love to know, you know, do you uh, are there movies that you wish Passion Flicks had made so that they were made in a different format? Are there books that you hope that they make that that you hope they make it because you know they would do the right job with it. Um, let me know what you think, you know, hit me up on Twitter at Sarah Beth Pollock, uh, leave a, a review or, or a comment in the, in the comment section. And let's talk about this. I would love to know what you think about 
how passion flicks makes their adaptations and how that uh you know impacts the way you you experience books and 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 makes you want to see adaptations in the future so let's talk about it i want to hear your thoughts please please leave your thoughts and um thank you as always for listening to the podcast and for supporting me and uh just know i appreciate each and every one of you so thank you so much to all of the listeners and we will talk very soon thanks everybody